0: Section 7 of The Wounded Name by D. K. Broster This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Eileen Chapter 3 Part 4 10 For about the sixth time that night, Laurent dragged himself out of his bed and went over to his charge. The dawn was beginning he was so tired that he could hardly stand. His eyes kept closing from lack of sleep, but his brain seemed to him unusually clear. Peering at the clock, he saw that there wanted twenty minutes yet before La bouillon was due. He dropped into the chair by the bed, for it was not worth returning to his own again. Even yet, after half a day and a night, he could scarcely realize it, and though he had tried hard to face the reversal of what he had so stoutly upheld. That haggard young man who lay there asleep before him had really been through the horrors of execution at the hands of his own followers, and survived. His men, his own men who followed him with passion, who would, as he once said, have cut their hands off for him, had fastened him to a tree and deliberately shot him. It their brilliant and adored leader. Now he understood why he had said that he would never need his floating locks again. The laurels were indeed cut down. Now he understood why he was so sensitive about his lacerated wrists, so terribly bitter about the whole affair, so unapproachable. Why, it was enough to have sent him crazy, and quiet enough to make him beg to be allowed to die as, with his own ears, Laurent had heard him. Yet, since their painful conversation of yesterday afternoon, La Rocheterie's demeanour towards him had undergone a certain change. He had not said the things that hurt so much, and, in the earlier part of the night, when he had been restless and in pain after the operation, he had even asked, and, almost naturally, for such alleviation as Laurent could give, and had not paid him in those frigid thanks and to which the young man would infinitely have preferred no thanks at all. Somehow, then, they were a little nearer to each other. How thin he was getting to look! How increasingly transparent! Worse than when Legon had first seen him lying there, like... What was it he had looked like? A crusader! Had a crusader ever been shot by his men? If so, they would have used bows and arrows. Or was it arquebuses? What exactly was an arquebuse? Arc. What had happened at Arc? He woke, to his dismay, to find his head down on his arm across the foot of his patient's bed. The birds were singing, and the hour for Bouillon well passed, but the wounded man was fortunately still asleep. His own stolen slumber, however, had not refreshed Laurent, and by the time that M. Pirellet appeared, he was wondering how he should ever get through the dressings. He always hated the business, and now that he knew for certain who had made those wounds. And then he was ashamed of what he termed his womanish feelings. It was not he who had to bear the pain, morning after morning. And without a murmur, as la always did. As he wished sometimes he would not. But then, all along, he had never uttered a syllable of complaint at any physical stress. "'I'll be as quick as I can,' he heard M. Pirellet whisper to his patient as he took up the forceps. At least Logon supposed that he was whispering. Or was it because there was suddenly such a loud buzzing in his own ears The surgeon's figure swelled to a large size, then receded till it was about the measure of a doll. But not realising in the least what was happening to him, Laurent still stood at his post with a face, though he did not know it, very similar in hue to that on the pillow. The next thing of which he was fully conscious was that he was seated in a chair right away from the bed at the open window, and that Monsieur Pagallet, now restored to his everyday dimensions, was undoing the collar of his uniform. What is the matter? asked the young man in a dazed way. Why am I here? Because I didn't want you fainting and falling across the bed, responded Monsieur Pagelet briskly. Luckily, my patient called my attention to you just in time. Drink this and sit there quietly. But, protested Laurent, "'Drink this,' repeated Monsieur Pégolet firmly. "'And so the brandy which was poured out ready for Loiseleur was drunk by his nurse.' "'Fainting?' murmured Laurent. "'Was that it? But the dressing?' Monsieur Pégolet pushed him back. "'Oh, sit there, I tell you. You're not indispensable. "'I will deal with you afterwards.' he disappeared behind the screen. Logon, his head feeling like a ball of wool, sat there ashamed and confused, conscious that he had deserted his post, and still not quite understanding what had happened to him. Through the wooly mist, he heard the murmur of Emard's voice, which sounded like an interrogation, and the doctor's reply, quite clear. It was a little too much for him, this morning, I think. He was tired, I expect. Oh, I ought to have noticed sooner. Now we will proceed with this shoulder of yours. He proceeded, and presumably, for there was no more conversation. Laurent gazed out of the window. After a considerable interval, M. Picolet emerged, washed his hands, and came over to him. Now, young man, I want a few words with you. And no, stay where you are. "'I've settled Monsieur de la Rocheterie quite comfortably, "'but I don't want a second patient on my hands.' "'He dropped his voice. "'How much sleep did you have last night?' "Ah, "'I thought so. "'And the night before? "'Oh, you're getting born out. "Ah, "'I'm an old fool, "'but I never meant you to do without sleep like this. "'No one, of course, could stand it. "'Why have you been doing it? "'It's not necessary now.' The answer was very simple, because his charge would not call him, so he must be on the alert the whole time. But Laurent was not going to give it. Monsieur Pégalé's little eyes scrutinized his downcast visage. Ha, huh, perhaps I can guess. And yet I fancy you would really rather have this old butcher hurting you than him, eh? Laurent, aghast at his insight, turned crimson. "'Ah, well, it is clear that I have been very inconsiderate of you. "'You are to lie down at once and have a nap. "'I will stay here with him for a little.' "'And to ensure his commands being obeyed, "'he stood over Laurent till he had stretched himself on the bed. "'The young man himself was surprised to find how desirable that bed was. "'He floated away into slumber. "'Delicious!' Then he came out of it again to find Monsieur perelet almost in the same place, looking at him. Oh, "'I fell asleep for a moment,' he said apologetically. The surgeon smiled. "'Mon enfant, you have slept for an hour and ten minutes. I should not wake you now, but that your dinner is just coming up, and that I've something to tell you. You need fresh air and a little change of scene.' So I've arranged with Major Oberg and that you are to go out for a walk every day on the terrace. No, there's no question of parole, and there's a sentry posted, so don't try to escape and get yourself shot. You can take your first promenade this afternoon. Logan gave Aymar his dinner and had his own. When the orderly had removed it, he approached his charge to settle him for the sleep which he was supposed to have in the afternoon. No reference had yet been made to his own morning's performance, and he hoped that none would be. But he had been conscious for the last five minutes that Loiselor's eyes were following him very intently, and as he now came round the bed to pull the curtain over the window beside it, La Gaucheterie suddenly said, in a very different voice, from any in which he had yet addressed him, At our bell. do you think, Monsieur de corte That you can ever forgive me? It was really less the words than the tone which surprised Laurent. He half turned, his hand on the curtain. On the contrary, Monsieur de la Rocheterie, he said, with an embarrassed little laugh, it is I who ought to make the most humble apologies to you. For what? asked Aimard, looking up at him. For having worn yourself out with looking after me night and day? For having robbed yourself of your sleep, Endangered your health, perhaps. At any rate, brought yourself to this pass of fatigue. And all for a man who... He did not finish the sentence. On my soul, I cannot think why you should have done it, Nor why I should have been possessed by such a demon of ingratitude. Oh, Monsieur de Courtemar, it was not wholly ingratitude. And do you know what it is to resent pity? Yet I ought to be on my knees in thankfulness that anyone in the world should do anything for me, now, and that anyone should really care what happens to me. His voice broke, and he turned his head away. His hand on the coverlet clenched and unclenched itself, and Laurent, and to his great comfort, was deserted at this crisis by his British heritage. He abandoned the curtain, his rather constrained attitude, everything oh, La rocheterie, How could you ever doubt it? Don't you know that I would give a great deal more than a few nights' rest and to see you well again? Why I came by Lochmelllard in the hopes of meeting with you, and when, after I was captured. By an extraordinary coincidence, I saw you being brought here, unconscious. I tried to get sent back with you. Only I tried too late. A pity. No. You surely do not think that I've looked after you for any other reason than because I... wanted to. He had gripped the transparent, telltale hand. For the first time it stayed in his grasp. And lois turned his head back again and looked at him. "'tears in his eyes. "'Oh, I suppose I must believe it. "'You have proved it, and God knows. "'Do you know I had a dream? "'At first I thought it was a dream, "'of your having fallen asleep, tired out, "'against the foot of my bed early this morning. "'Oh, but it was true, "'and you nearly collapsed just now. "'Oh, it is I who ought to be adjuring you, "'not to talk.' He gave a weak little laugh, and his fingers moved in Laurent's. And Monsieur Pégolet tells me that you choose to be in here when you might have had a room to yourself elsewhere. I thought you were obliged to be here, and though you... though they had told you... you were humane, and you had met me before, and felt perhaps that here was a means of repaying what you insisted on calling a debt, and so... Laurent. "'inspired to rather a bold course, and broke in. "'If you will forgive me for saying so, "'was not our having met before "'just why you disliked my being here? "'Could you not either forget that fact, "'or, what I should prefer, "'and try to realize that to me you are, "'and always will be, "'exactly what you were in England, "'or in Paris last year?' "'Oh, my God,' said Amar to himself, "'and tried to take his hand away.' But Logan would not let it go. He knelt down by the bed. Yes, I know that you feel there is a difference. But I knew. I knew about the slur on you before I entered the room. Nothing that these people say has any effect on me, if you would only believe that. Does not that make it possible for you to take anything I may have the good fortune to do for you, as you would from any other friend? He brought out the word rather low, for he felt that it was a little presumptuous, after all. A friend. Emma caught him up unsteadily. No, you must not call yourself my friend, Dacotomar. You will not find me desirable, even as an acquaintance, now. Or do you forget that I have lost my good name, and not only with the enemy? I do not forget it, replied Laurent gravely but I know that you can recover it when you wish. A bitter astonishment dawned in the face on the pillow. Oh, after what happened to me in the Bois de Fauvet. And no, my reputation is as much damaged by those bullets as my body. He made himself say it, evidently, but he said it. But you cannot deny, urged Laurent, that that horrible business was a misapprehension. You must pardon my conjecture, but I fancy I know of what kind it was." Aymar de la Rocheterie shut his eyes, and slightly shook his head. Oh, "Impossible!" He lay so a moment, his hand still in Laurent's, and then, reopening his eyes, he said, in a rather exhausted voice: oh, "Some day, perhaps, I will tell you the story; but just now. "'There are things which I cannot tell anyone. "'I have to ask your forbearance for that, "'just as I most sincerely ask your pardon for my behaviour, "'my want of consideration. "'I dare say unhappiness makes one blind, "'and I have not been very happy.' "'His hand stiffened. Laurent put his other over it. "'There is nothing to forgive, "'and I shall never ask you for an explanation.' for I can guess your secret, La Lagoshteghi. You have taken someone else's guilt upon your shoulders. How long you intend to shield this other person at such a heavy cost to yourself is not my affair. But I hope it will not be for long, he added ingenuously. I'm not going to ask you if my theory is true, for to be quite consistent, you would have to say that it was not. I shall leave you to sleep now. "'Oh, Monsieur de Cotemac, I assure you,' began Loiseleur in a very low voice as his hand was loosed. "'Logon smiled as he got up and drew the curtain over the window. Oh, "'Of course, he would deny it.' "'But his smile died to concern as he looked at the bed again. "'I have been tiring you,' he said remorsefully. "'It is a good thing that I hear the guard coming to remove me. And just let me turn the pillow over, and if there is nothing you want, I will leave you in peace. But peace was not the predominant expression on Aimard de la Rocherderie's face, as Laurent took a last look at it, before leaving the room. 11. The terrace at Arbel was wide, bounded at each end by a wall it had the house itself for frontier on one side. On the other it fell sharply to a long bowling green, which, in its turn, gave way to meadow. Only one flight of steps led down from it, and at the top of these paced an armed sentry. But after eight days' confinement in one room, and that a sick room, merely to be in the open again, gave Laurent an illusory sense of freedom, which was slightly intoxicating and his mind was full of a deep content. The barrier between him and Loiselag was down. At last. Presently there sauntered out the tall young officer of chasseur Cheval, whom he had seen on the day of his arrival. They saluted each other with much punctiliousness, and the young man, naming himself as Lieutenant Rigaud, asked if he might join him. So they walked up and down together, commenting at first on nothing more significant than the fine weather. Laurent yawned once or twice. Oh, I suppose I ought not to tell you,' said the chasseur, flicking at the gravel with a switch. "'But we have just received bad news this morning. "'Your party has had a thumping success.' "'Ah,' said Laurent, brightening. "'Yes, Dutremblay has captured Chalet.' and effected his junction with some other leaders. The far side of the avenue will be very uncomfortable for us now, unless we can dislodge them. I expect there's some language flying about in our poor colonel's vicinity today, especially as he has got a nasty wound in the leg. He was so set on getting the better of Dutremplet. How oh, he was, indeed, answered Laurent meaningly. And Monsieur Dutremplet has got the better of him, I am delighted. Opponent though he was, the young officer could not help smiling. Yes, your your not-very-reputable roommate upstairs played him a fine trick when he refused to give him a hint of Dutremblay's plans. The colonel had been absolutely counting on his cooperation. He is rather a dark horse that gentleman. And by the way, since he is, I hear, out of danger— you'll be parting company, I suppose. As it is, I shall we break off this conversation? interposed Laurent very coldly. If you cannot speak in less offensive terms of my friend the Vicomte de la Rocheterie. The most naked astonishment looked out at him from Lieutenant Rigaud's countenance. What? he exclaimed. You call him friend. The man who betrayed his own followers, If he had done that, I certainly should not call him friend, retorted Laurent. But that is, of course, the most outrageous slander. And there he lies, helpless. Would you mind telling me the exact form in which this calumny reached you here? Or did your commanding officer first put it about? Certainly not, replied the young chasseur rather stiffly. What happened was that Colonel Richard, over at saint Coisec, sent an officer here last Saturday week to say that he had disposed of the bulk of Loiselag's force by an ambush at pont au It was important for us to know this, because they'd been a menace to us, lying where they did. The officer told us how it had occurred. In fact, he was full of it. Loiselag himself had sent the information. Oh, how patently absurd, said Laurent contemptuously. As if a man would run his own head into the lion's mouth in that manner. But Monsieur de La Rocheterie's head was quite safe," observed Rigaud dryly. He was not present at the affair of the bridge. Oh, you did not know that. I assure you that it is true. And it is certain that Colonel Richard did not invent the story about the information, for his officers said he was rather distressed about it. And indeed. If it was false, why did La Rocheterie's men shoot him? Why? Because the lie had already been well circulated, retorted Laurent, who could not meet this thrust, by the indignant denial of the fact which he would have given yesterday. Now, I will ask you a question in my turn, monsieur, granting for a moment the possibility of Loiselot's ever doing such an incredible thing. What do you suppose he did it for, Oh, he must have had some motive.' "'Rigaud shook his head. "'Ha, ah, there you have me. "'Nobody knows that, except, presumably, Colonel Richard.' "'And again,' said Laurent eagerly, "'do you think that a man who had sunk to such a depth as that "'would be likely to resist, at the risk of his life, "'the abominable inquisition about Monsieur de Tremblay's plans "'into which your colonel subjected him last Friday?' and when he was scarcely able to speak. Do you know that the proceeding all but killed him, and that, by a few words, one word, he could have saved himself? If, as you pretend to believe, he betrayed his own men, why should he go to the last extremity, not to betray Dutremblaise? The imperialist shrugged his shoulders. Possibly, because the necessary inducement and whatever it was, was lacking in this case. Oh, "'What the devil do you mean by that, monsieur?' asked Laurent, firing up. "'How oh, I don't mean anything in particular,' replied the young officer. Oh, "'How could I?' "'But I think the colonel was fully justified "'in expecting La Rocheterie to make no difficulty about deciphering those notes. "'And though perhaps he went rather far, "'you must remember that the knowledge of their contents— could we have had it? Might have. So tell me, interrupted Laurent ruthlessly. Was it purely for the sake of those cursed notes that your colonel wanted Monsieur de la Rocheterie kept alive? Lieutenant Rigaud looked uncomfortable. Oh well, naturally, the colonel was anxious for the information, and Dutremblay's name was at the top. And as la Rocheterie had, you admit it, and permit me to tell you then, "No, I can't permit it," exclaimed Rigaud, interrupting in his turn, and somewhat heated, "how I can't stand here and listen to abuse of my commanding officer, and I can't call you to account for it, because you are a prisoner. I think, monsieur, that you're rather taking advantage of your immunity." This view did silence the critic, who made some kind of apology, on which his companion observed that they had better not discuss Loiseleur any more. So, for the rest of the time, they spoke of other matters. Nevertheless, Laurent re-entered his place of captivity, tingling with exultation, for there was no doubt that the royalists had scored heavily. Also, it was heaven to know that Giton was baffled, and damaged. I hope you have enjoyed your walk, Monsieur de Courtemanche," observed the phantom of Loiseleur, who was not asleep but lying just as he had left him. Immensely thank you, and I brought you some very good news. Good news, for me. The tone gave Laurent pause, but only for a moment. With much enthusiasm, he repeated the tidings. For the first time, the drawn face lit up. Oh, Chalet! He has captured Chalet! It is authentic, the news. How oh, evidently, and he has you to thank for his success. And me to thank for his success? La was obviously startled. Oh, he might have had me to thank for his failure. Oh, but that, at least, has been spared me, he added, as if to himself. But La Goucheterie, exclaimed the herald, somewhat carried off his feet, how oh, do you not realize that you almost gave your life to keep it secret and violent? "'Perhaps I ought not to tell you, "'but it was touch and go with you afterwards, you know. "'If Monsieur Pagolet... "'But such a change had come over Aimard's face "'that Laurent was brought to a standstill. "'The visible relief, the more than relief, "'was wiped out in an instant, "'and without a word he put the back of his bandaged right wrist "'across his eyes. "'Laurent had laid too rash a hand.' on Friday's bitter wound. Yet, out of his abhorrence of its author, a thing came to his lips which carried, in its unconscious boyishness and simplicity, a sort of balm of its own. For when, standing there embarrassed and hesitating, he suddenly blurted out, That scoundrel has got a bullet or something in his leg. Thank God. Loiselot removed his screening arm and looked at him. And, to Laurent's surprise, the mouth which seemed to have forgotten how to smile, relaxed after a moment, into a semblance of amusement. Monsieur de cote he said, slowly, I think you must have the gift of, of partisanship in excelsis. And whether he or the young man standing above him made the first movement, and their fingers certainly met. End of section 7